There are many people that have no concept that history is filled with teaching about dispensational reading of Scripture. Stay tuned. I don't know anywhere else you can go that you're going to find the data that's going to be given to you today historically about the teaching of dispensational reading of Scripture. We have been talking about dispensations and objections to a dispensational reading of Scripture. Um, And one of the objections that we are dealing with today that we just barely introduced in the last session was that uh, dispensational teaching is a modernistic teaching. It does not uh, have historical validity. It's not found early in church history. It began in the 1800s with John Darby, John Nelson Darby, who was a a Plymouth Brethren preacher, and um, that therefore it shouldn't be given the credence that it has been given. Uh, We found that there was opposition uh, way back, but now in our day, um, dispensational teaching has become important over the last uh, decades, 100 years. And now there is challenges to it. There's always been challenges to it, but now there's challenges to it, uh, both within and without the apostolic Pentecostal movement. And people uh, are saying that it would be better if we didn't believe in dispensations. So um, objections to dispensations has become uh, an issue. An important issue, and if and if people who are saying that are right, then we all need to know it. So we're taking these objections one at a time. We're discussing them. We are open for any response that you want to give, um, uh, whether it's criticism, whether it's disagreement, or whether it's agreement. Uh, but this is uh, this is what we're doing. So the fact is that the understanding of dispensations in Scripture can be found in church history long before the 1800s and long before John Darby. Now, the the reality that, that even people who are prominent theologians in our day, in the present now, the fact that they uh, say that like covenant theology was older or is older than is dispensational theology. Um, And I have read books by prominent theologians that just said that offhand. Well, it's obvious that they've never done their own research because that is not true. And so, and it's not true that uh, a dispensational reading of scripture began in the 1800s. And so there's too many examples for me to give all of them in a lecture or a couple of lectures of this sort. But let me just cite a few of these examples. The first one that I will cite is Clement of Alexandria. Now, this is Clement of Alexandria was as early as 150 to 220 A.D. I mean, we're talking about not too long after the apostolic age. In this period of time, um, Clement 
pluralizes the patriarchal dispensation. That's the word he used this early now. This is, this is maybe 150 would be maybe 60 years after John wrote the book of Revelation. Um, here's Clement of Alexandria talking about the patriarchal dispensation. Now, Alexandria was a center for Christian scholarship. The two primary centers for Christian scholarship at that time would have most likely been Alexandria, which was in Egypt, and Antioch, uh, where the apostles went when there was uh, persecution in the early church in Jerusalem. And so for a man this early to be talking about the patriarchal dispensation, he broke that down a little further, distinguishing clearly that there were three patriarchal dispensations. Now, this is Clement. This is, this is his wording. Um, and he said these dispensations are as given in Adam and Noah and Abraham, and I'm quoting, then comes the Mosaic, that is, dispensation. So here's, here's I mean, you can't get much further back without getting to the Bible writers than Clement. And here he is talking about the patriarchal dispensations, identifying Adam as a patriarch and Noah as a patriarch and Abraham as a patriarch. And each of those indeed do indicate that there is a shift in the way God administers his kingdom, his household on the earth. And then, then he goes to the mosaic. So, so he's got these first four here that he's talking about. Now, that doesn't mean that he didn't believe in more than four, but he has written about these four. So, so this is, I mean, like you can't get much further back. And here's a guy talking about uh, over half of the dispensational shifts that we talk about today. Another early example of the use not only of the concept of dispensations, but like Clement from 150 to 220 AD, Augustine, or uh, some may say Augustine, but Augustine was born in 354 AD and he died around 430. Um, Augustine also not only spoke of the concept, but use the actual words dispensation. So when people say the word dispensation shouldn't be used to identify these things, well, all I can say is, is from the earliest of church history, we find people using those exact words. So here's a quote from Augustine. The divine institution of sacrifice was suitable in the former dispensation, but is not suitable now. Augustine goes on to state, for the change suitable to the present age has been enjoined by God that knows infinitely better than man what is the fitting way for every age, ordering all events in his providence until the beauty of the completed course of time, the component parts of which are the dispensations adapted to each successive age 
shall be finished like some grand melody of some ineffably wise master of song. Now, it'd just be pretty hard to gainsay that here's Augustine saying these things at this time. Now, he had issues with people sometimes that used dispensations in a way that he did not feel was appropriate. But this is a quote from him. And when he uses uh, the words like he uses here, and when he talks about uh, dispensations the way that he did, he said the component parts of which are the dispensations adapted to each successive age. I mean, there's pretty hard to question what he's talking about, shall be finished like some grand melody of some ineffably wise master of song. So here we go. We're way back almost to the apostolic age, and then we are into the the fourth century, 350 or so. Um, So then there's others that would feel like, well, you don't find it in the Reformation period, until we're way up into the 1800s. Well, that's certainly uh, a mistaken conception, which just reveals a lack of research. For example, William Cave lived from 1630 to 1713. In his writings, included an introductory course on the three major dispensations. This is what he called them. The first one, was patriarchal from the beginning of the world to the delivery of the law of Mount Sinai. The second one was mosaical from the delivery of the law to the final state of the Jewish people. The third one, evangelical to last to the end of the world. So here is early on in the middle of the Reformation, this man, William Cave, who is talking about the patriarchal dispensation and is talking about other dispensations, the Mosaic dispensation, and going on to the one that we're in that goes to the end of the age. All I'm trying to point out here is that some of these are fragments. Some of these are, as you'll see, are much more complete uh, discussions of dispensational reading of Scripture. But all I'm trying to point out here is that it is overwhelmingly not true that this is some modernist concoction of some guy named Darby in the 1800s. That is not true. Here's another one. Pierre Poray, born 1637, died in 1713. He was a French mystic, and he was a philosopher who wrote more than 40 books of great importance to the French theological thought. And he attempted to comprehend, like many others, the whole story of redemption, Genesis through Revelation. His major work was Eloconomy Divine, and it was first published in Amsterdam in 1687. It was rendered into English and published in English in 1713. It clearly contains, again, a dispensational scheme. He uses the phrase period of dispensation, and his seventh dispensation is a literal thousand-year millennium with Christ returned and reigning in bodily form upon the earth with his saints and with Israel regathered and converted. 
He also sees the rise of the Antichrist and two resurrections and many of the general run of end time events that we talk about. He wrote that I do not pretend to precisely determine the number nor duration of these periods. He's talking obviously about dispensations. It is obvious unto all that the world has really passed through periods of this nature, quote unquote. Perret's outline of dispensations while preceding Darby by over 100 years contains virtually the same outline and clearly indicates along with others that the dispensations of the Bible were long recognized throughout history. This is amazing that nobody talks about any of this stuff, but all of this is validated. There was a man named John Edwards. We're not talking about Jonathan Edwards. However, we will talk about him in a few minutes. But John Edwards lived from 1639 to 1716. John Edwards undertook to write a comprehensive book on the Bible, like these others, Genesis to Revelation. Interestingly, in doing so, he mentions that he discovered others, listen to this, he discovered others who have greater skill than him were working on the same thing. And he discovered them to go on with the work that he was doing. Now, from this quote, it appears that there was already existing a literature, not just a few people, but a corpus of literature on the subject at that very early date. Here's, here's Edwards' outline. Number one, was dispensation of innocency and felicity of Adam created upright. Number two, sin and misery, Adam fallen. His third dispensation was reconciliation or Adam recovered from Adam's redemption to the end of the world, the discovery of the blessed seed of Adam and patriarchal economy. And so, when you look at all of this, he went on and talked about the Adamical and then the Antediluvian, that's Adam Noah, and then he continues on to the Abrahamic, and then he continues on to the Mosaical, and then he goes to what he called the Gentile, which he said is concurrent with two of those above. And he said then the last one is Christian or Evangelical. And the way he looked at this is that first was the infancy, the, pr the primitive period of the past. It's like a growing child. And then he said the, the next dispensations are like childhood up to the present. And then next is manhood in the future. And next is old age. And he, this was what he said about old ages, from the loosing of Satan to the conflagration. So all of these people, all of these people clearly saw these progressions. And this is a long time before 1800. John Shute Barrington, born in 1678, died in 1734. He was a friend and disciple of John Locke. Barrington had an essay on, and I'm quoting the name of the essay, the dispensations of God to mankind as revealed in Scripture. Included was, this is his wording, number one, the state of innocence. Number two, patriarchal. 
Number three, Noahic. Number four, Abrahamic. Number five, Mosaic. And under that, uh, he didn't go any further. However, if you look at this, you can see that, I don't know if John Darby in the 1800s did any of this research or not, but I've got a sneaky feeling he didn't just write that. He went back and saw that this, this, was, this was stuff that was written by theologians long before he came along. Here's one that may surprise you. Isaac Watts, born in 1674, died in 1748. He was the great hymn writer that even hymns that we continue to sing unto this day, he wrote those. But he was also a theologian. He wrote an essay of some 40 pages entitled, The Harmony of All the Religions God Ever Prescribed to Man and All His Dispensations Towards Them. His definition of dispensations was this, and I'm quoting, the public dispensation of God towards men and his wise and holy constituents of his will and government revealed or some way manifested to them in the several successive periods or ages of the world wherein are contained the duties he expects from men and the blessings which he promises or encourage them to expect from him here and hereafter, together with the sins which he forbade, and the punishments which he threatens to inflict on the sinners. Or the dispensations of God may be described more briefly as the appointed moral rules of God dealing with mankind, considered as reasonable creatures and accountable to him for their behavior, both in this world and that which is to come. Here is his outline. This is Isaac Watts' outline. Number one, the dispensation of innocency or the religion of Adam at first. Number two, the Adamical dispensation of the covenant of grace on the religion of Adam after his fall. Number three, the Noahical dispensation or the religion of Noah. Number four, the Abrahamical dispensation or the religion of Abraham. Number five, the Mosaical dispensation or the Jewish religion. Number six, the Christian dispensation. Now, this is exactly the same sequence taught in a present-day dispensational reading of Scripture. So this is why I say when we've got this long lineage of theologians before us that saw this, that wrote this, that articulated this almost exactly the way we articulate it today, then, then we need to take pause. And I think you would agree, even if you up to this time didn't know all of this, I think we need to take pause before we just decide to say, ah, psh, that's just something that was started in the 1800s. That doesn't mean anything. That is not true. This is the doctrine of the church. This is the doctrine of theologians. This is a doctrine of people seeking truth from Scripture all the way to today. Now, earlier we talked about a man named John Edwards, but we didn't want to confuse him with the preacher, the American preacher, Jonathan Edwards. But here is Jonathan Edwards, the preacher, the American preacher. Born in 1703, died in 1768. While not 
writing a detailed discussion of dispensations, he does recognize the epical movements, and he does identify using the word dispensation, stating, and I'm quoting, the several dispensations of works are but the several parts of one scheme. All the various dispensations that belong to it are united, and the several wheels are uh, on the machine are like uh, wheels on a machine to answer one end and to produce one effect. So Jonathan Edwards was acquainted with the successive epical movements going forward in the revelation of manifestation of God's plan, and he identified them as dispensations. John Fletcher, he was born in 1729. He died in 1785. He was an intimate friend of the Wesley family. John, Charles Wesley, probably the whole family, Susanna, their mother. Fletcher was known for his piety, a well-known man, and also developed an order of dispensations. He wrote, Without any apologies, therefore, I shall lay before the reader the account of the primitive Catholic gospel. That doesn't mean the Catholic church. Catholic means worldwide. Worldwide gospel and its various dispensations. He then identifies six dispensations, stating, Following the second coming of Christ, there will be another gospel dispensation, which we have now in prophecy. Fletcher equates the event to the restitution of all things, of which Peter spoke of in Acts 3.21. And Peter said this about it, the restitution of all things spoken of by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. So obviously, uh, it's not the restitution of all things. Some people actually get that scripture mixed up and talk about the restitution of the devil himself and the restitution of all the demons and that's not what the Bible says. It's the restitution of all things spoken of by the prophets. So um, citations of those who saw and understood dispensations throughout church history is much, much longer than what I have discussed here today. Also, the list of those who understood and taught a future millennium is longer still. While the dispensations were variously grouped, they consistently recognized and acknowledged what we've been talking about all the time. And these were scholars. They were recognized by scholars from every background, including the Church of England, the Puritan heritage, the Quaker heritage, Presbyterians, Episcopalians, Unitarians, Irvingites, uh, Scottish and Danish, it includes scholars like Samuel Cox, who was one of the founders of the Union Theological Seminary in New York City. It included scholars like Robert Jameson and, and uh, Canon Fawcett, uh, two of the authors of the renowned commentary, Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown, and on and on we could go. There were many, many others. All of these were people who understood dispensations, and throughout church history, they not only embraced and espoused them, they understood them to be central to the understanding of Scripture. Now, to dismiss all of that and to follow somebody that's dismissing all of that, 
I would think you would take pause before you would do that. 